Hey guys, I'm Caleb Giddings. And I'm Keith Finch. And I would like to thank all of our sponsors for supporting this video, which you will see in this sweet banner. And then Keith, we may or may not have a banner for guns.com. Who knows? We may not, we may. In fact, I'm working on it today. So uh, it should be up. But if it's not up, thank you guns.com. And thank everybody who's watching this video. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you like, share, and subscribe. That's what grows the channel, and growth is good. I wouldn't know. I haven't grown since I was 12. But anyway, <laughs> today we're going to talk about one of those, like, one of the things I love about the firearms community is gun forum questions, right? Like, and, you know, a perfect example of, of one of those is whenever, like, a lion gets out of the zoo or something like that, everyone would be like, what's the best gun? Like, what would you do if you were walking What would you do if street? your lion came into your neighborhood? And I'm like, yeah. I'm not opening my door, but... Yeah. You know, what's the best but, gun but the for a lion? What, what gun to stop a rampaging lion or a, a loose lion? Yeah. When, it, you know, as gun forum questions go, people who are familiar with the Monster Hunter International series by Larry Correa, though that started, uh, yeah, those started as gun forum questions. Like what would happen? And it was like, what would happen if the people in horror movies had guns and knew how to use them, basically? Yep. And so today- What if they weren't entirely incompetent bumbling imbeciles? Right. <laughs> so today we're going to answer one of those gun forum questions for each of us. And it's a common one it's if you could only have three guns if you could only have a rifle a pistol and a shotgun just three guns for the rest of your life what would those three guns be and why and what we'll do is we'll go through everybody's individual choices i'll do my rifle your rifle your rifle then we'll do pistols and then we'll finish up with shotguns because shotguns are cool shotguns are cool So to get started, what's your rifle? And if it's, and I, I have a funny feeling if you're watching this video, it's probably behind you. It is in fact behind me. And it's been behind me in every one of these videos because I have a cool office at my house that locks and I can, <laughs> I can lock all these in my vault slash office. Click. It's so fun. <laughs> so the rifle is a SCAR 17. SCAR 17S, 16 inch in the uh, classic 308 because I haven't seen a 6.5 that, that would work right now. And it's, while the rifle is really nice and I like it, it is my favorite rifle platform, it's the caliber more than anything. And despite the fact that people who have watched and listened and uh, have dug into my writing and I rag on 308 a lot, I don't believe 308 should exist. Despite the fact that I shouldn't, that I don't believe 308 should exist, I still acknowledge and enjoy it as a caliber because in fact it does exist. Mm -hmm. Just because I think it shouldn't exist doesn't mean that I can argue about its effectiveness as like a very nice do everything caliber. It's, it's good for taking game. It's been a proven fighting caliber for years and years and years and years. It's essentially 30 out six still. So like it, it's been, it's been around and it does its thing rather well. So the, the SCAR 17, cause it's light, it's a reliable operating system and it's, it's a do it all caliber in a carryable rifle because even scoped out and with a light on it and everything like that, that still weighs essentially what an M4 or an M16 would weigh. It's still a very light and comfortable rifle to shoot. And I can do 
anything I would possibly need to with it from taking game to, you know, stopping the zombies. The zombie apocalypse is happening. The apocalypse gun, guys. So uh, it won't be a tremendous surprise to people who have followed me for a long time or have like listened to this show that I've gone the opposite direction technologically, but with, but what interestingly for sort of similar reasons. So my, if I could only have one rifle to do everything for the rest of my life would actually be this, this is the Ruger American ranch in, uh, I, I can't argue with that choice because I really like the Ruger ranches. So they're great guns and they're super affordable. They're built like tanks, like most Rugers are. And this one specifically is chambered in 5.56 and takes uh, AR-15 mags. So the whole thought process behind this gun was for less than uh, a grand. I've got this, I've got a quality loopy scope on it. I've got, you know, I've got a, a crap load of 20 round mags because 20 round mags look cool. And this gun will do pretty much everything I can do with an AR-15 except be semi-automatic. And I can take this gun to all 50 states in the country without running into legal issues as well, if that's a thing that's important to you. And it is a thing that's important to me because I do travel a lot and I would like to have a handy, lightweight, portable long gun that fires an effective caliber that I can take with me if I take a trip to visit family in California or go visit friends in New York or something like that. I just have to make sure I take a correct magazine for those. So it's very much a do the idea behind the Ruger American branch in this role is that it's not the best at anything. It's not going to win me a precision rifle competition. It's not going to have the fastest rate of fire as an AR 15, but it's good at a whole mess of things. And it very conveniently flies under the radar while being good at all of those things. So it's sort of like, I jokingly refer to it as the gray man assault rifle, but it kind of is. It it fills that role rather nicely. It does a lot of things well, like you said, and it's in one of those super common calibers, which is another reason why I like the 308. Mm -hmm. As much as I, I will rag on 308 for being like the best at nothing, uh, it's a super common and super effective caliber. So it doesn't like you, yours, it, yours is 50 state portable. Mine isn't, but like I'm, that wasn't a huge requirement for me in that, in that rifle. And I would go to a 50 state portable rifle and probably keep it in 308 um, in, in a bolt gun. If I were to look at a at a rifle, I needed to go to New York or California or something like that with, because 308 is that caliber that I like as as a general purpose caliber. Um, make making myself an internet contrarian for the ages. Well, it's like funny. If I was going to pick a 308, it would be a scar. Like, I, there's no, I mean, one caveat. If I was going to pick a 308 built around the same kind of ideology that I have this gun or that you have your gun, if I'm like, okay, I can only have one rifle for the rest of my life and it's got to be a 308, it would probably be a scar because I don't particularly enjoy shooting 308 bolt guns. I never have and I never no, will. I, I, haven't, I haven't found one that, I haven't found a 308 bolt gun that 
is weighted well enough to make it a pleasant shoot. Either they're so heavy that I might as well go up in caliber mm-hmm. and give it give it some ass on the on the back end and some legs. Um, or it's so light that it just blasts you right in the shoulder and you're like, why? I don't want to do this a hundred times. Why yeah. am I doing this? this was not fun. Well, and that's the thing. A lot of 308 bolt guns weigh about the same as the Ruger American Ranch, which is like mm-hmm. a six ish pound gun, even with all the crap on it. And that's not. I, I get it. People shoot it all the time. Some people love it. It's not my jam, which was why when I went with my choice, the, the ranch, I wanted like my design ethos for this gun was 50 state portable under seven pounds. And that's kind of how I ended up with, with this gun. And again, I'm super happy with it with 62 grain, uh, uh, with 62 grain, five, five, six rounds. It's good enough for taking anything up to medium sized game. Mm-hmm. And and there are goods there are good rounds out there and they're again they're super common so yeah and um, it com- takes AR mags so like in the zombie apocalypse yeah in the zombie apocalypse that we're all not worried about but we're all actually prepared in the zombie for. apocalypse in Minecraft <laughs> zombie apocalypse right for legal reasons this happened in Minecraft. Okay. <laughs> I love that trope. It's like, okay, it's so I don't, I don't think that's going to stop you from getting federally prosecuted. My yeah, guy. I don't, <laughs> okay. I don't think uh, that's going to make those, a For those who don't follow the, the funny anachronisms of the internet, there, there is a trend or was a trend. It may be gone by now of uh, if you were talking about some, some shadier level stuff, you would say, Oh, well, in Minecraft. And that would somehow be your your legal, like, no, no, I, I touched the safe zone. In Minecraft, I'm going to sell uh, 20 pounds of heroin. Wait, what? Yeah. yeah yep. no. in, in, my, in Minecraft, I'm going to kidnap the state governor. Like, that that didn't work for the guys in my state. Wasn't that, <laughs> before we get on to our next gun choices, which is handguns, what that... Yep. Wasn't their militia like fifty percent feds, anyways? Like, yeah, like they. It was. It was totally. <laughs> the The more we dig into it, it really looks like some. It like in in my head canon. This is I. I haven't read enough recently to figure out where they're at right now. But in my head canon, this was this was some FBI agent who slid into because I actually know some of these guys. I know a couple of them. I've met them. They came into the gun store that I worked at at several years ago. In Minecraft. In Minecraft. (laughs) And they're exactly who you expect them to be. Exactly. Like, to a T, you can't stereotype these human beings enough. You can't. And um, in Minecraft. But, like, but... Looking at that and looking at uh, at what's going on, it looks like the FBI slid into their DMs and be, you know, it would be really cool if we kidnapped the governor. And one of these were like, you know what? Yeah, that'd be really cool. And then the FBI just like kept goading them and goading them and said, no, right. could do. You could drive around and do recon around the rest. Oh, so it's, it's it sounds like from certain perspective, it sounds like the FBI handed them every single idea for it, and then they just did it. Yeah, which, you, <laughs> as an aside, again, before we get into the next one, that's like, when does this cross the line into entrapment? 
Uh, They're actually looking at that right now. And if it encroaches too far, like a lot of these guys are either going to walk or get much lighter sentences because the FBI went too far in like poking them with a stick. Yeah. Which, okay. So that's a whole different podcast that we should probably record at some point. But we can can put a plug on that one or we can edit this out and play with it later. (laughs) Yeah. You need to ever know. So next let's talk uh, to get back to the one gun forever. Let's talk about handguns. This time I'll go first because I happen to have my, if I could only have one gun gun on me right now. And it is admittedly way less practical than my rifle, which was built around eminently sensible design guidelines to be 50 state portable and take a common cartridge. Oh no, my have one gun is of course it's a revolver. Come on guys. Like for real, you can't, you expected differently guys. Come on. No, I, I, I would like to think no one did. It is a three inch Ruger GP 100 in 357 Magnum. Uh, this one has fixed sights because this was a old police trade-in gun that came from Kenyatta. Uh, that's Canada for people who don't speak Spanish. Kenyatta. That's how you say, yeah, Kenyatta. <laughs> or Soviet Kanakistan, however you want to say it. But so the whole idea behind this gun and why a three-inch, why 357 Magnum, there is some sense to it. And that is built around the idea that you can do a lot with a 357 Magnum. You know, and with a 38 special, obviously it's good for concealed carry. It's good for personal defense. The three inch length makes it manageable for concealed carry. I've carried four inch guns. It's doable. It is a lot more work than carrying the three incher. So it works for concealed carry. It's big enough to use well for home defense. You can pack it full of powerful magnums and get decent performance from the three inch barrel. If you're worried about backpacking or something like that, it very much does a lot of different stuff and it doesn't do anything as well as different guns. If I was getting a dedicated gun for hiking, I would have a five inch 10 mil. I have one of those. Okay. Uh, If I had a dedicated revolver for just for concealed carry, I'd have a six shot 32 Magnum. I have one of those too. So anyway, I have all of the specialist cuts too, (laughs) but as a Jack of all trades, again, that GP 100, especially in three inch sort of hits that sweet spot. And you could do this just as well with like a model 66 K frame or, um, uh, I don't think Colt has a three inch 357 right now, King Cobra, but I don't know enough about it to recommend it. But this idea is you have a mid sized three inch revolver in 357 Magnum, so you can cover a broad scope of uh use cases with only one gun, yeah. And it, it's per like you, you picked my ideal revolver i love the gp 100 i love a three inch barrel set and and i love that grip selection like were i were you to say were this discussion to be hey guys what's your ideal do everything revolver we have the exact same pick gp 100 three inch 357 magnum that's you know that is what it is and so i i will go back from uh analog to digital content here and we're with uh my selection and uh to no one's surprise, or maybe some people's surprise, I don't know how people are talking about my pistol selection or if they are at all, uh, I have a Glock 19X as the do-it-all pistol. 
I like the 19X more than the 19, just because I like the extra grip length. It's not the capacity for me. Like 15, 15's fine, guys. But you can also get 15 in the little 48, which, uh, which gets is in, crazy. Yeah, which is insane with the shield mags. But you you go to the 19X, the 19X, I shoot it well. Uh, I brag I brag to uh, uh, certain individuals like I, I outshot a Navy SEAL with it one time, <laughs> <laughs> not in Minecraft. Um, and so that that gun holds a special place uh, for me nostalgia wise. It was also picked up by the, the Marine Raiders in, in a small package. Like when everyone was jumping on the SIG bandwagon from the Beretta, the Marines just went and bought like a thousand of these or two thousand of these and they worked really well. Um, during the MHS competition. And so I like it from that standpoint. And it's it's a Glock 19, guys. It's a Glock 19 with the Glock 17 magazines in the pre-Generation 5 going into the Generation 5 format. And I don't even have a red dot on it. I just have a flashlight on it. Surely um, you will be killed by ninjas. I will be. I will be killed in the streets by the ninjas uh, probably as I leave to go to the office today. So that's, I can look forward to my fate, but it's, you know, it's a practical nine millimeter clock mags are freaking everywhere. Um, nine millimeters everywhere. It's a practical gun. You can wear it, you can conceal carry it. It's comfortable and it shoots well. So like it, it covers all those bases that you would want for a handgun. It's got enough capacity. You can use it as a dual gun and it, it just runs. It's simple and it's stupid, simple to maintain. So like all, all the nice things that the GP 100 has in the revolver category in 357, the Glock 19 has in, you know, the handgun category and you guys, it can be a 19 or a 19 X. It's yeah. a 19 X for me. I love if the 19 X. If I was picking a dual handgun, it would be either a 19 or a 17. You know, just be, it would be one of those uh, for if I want if I wanted to break out of my hipster mentality and pick a semi-auto, it would be a Glock 19 or probably yeah. a 19X or a 17 or one of those. Yeah. Specifically yeah. for the reasons you've mentioned, it does everything pretty freaking well it's easy to shoot if you want to go out and modify it and turn it into you know you know you put red dots on it change the trigger do all of these things that you want the glock 19 the glock family has that huge available aftermarket to do that yes it's it's massively maintainable it's massively customizable it does a lot of things really 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 well and it, it's not my favorite handgun that that's the uh, 320 axg right now that's my favorite gun to shoot uh but it is my favorite like utilitarian handgun mm -hmm. well, and I, that's that's why it's the pick yeah and the ruger gp100 is not my favorite revolver favorite revolver is the Manurin mr73 closely followed so, oh God, so good closely followed by this bonkers three thousand dollar kiapa rhino i have those the Manurin is a lot more practical but you know it's not you're going to be your do everything gun it's very much a i mean you know if it breaks, getting part support for it would be extremely difficult. Uh, mm -hmm. If the Ruger breaks, getting part support for it is like, dude, 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 hello, Ruger, please, please ship me a bag of springs. And they'll be like, here you go. Send me a bag of springs. It's a lot easier. So again, that utilitarian piece, if you're, again, if there's only one gun for the rest of your life, parts aftermarket support is actually important, which it brings is. us, it, it, now it brings us to shotguns. And I don't think we've had this conversation. Do you even own a shotgun? 
I actually don't, but I do have a pick for shotguns. All right, give me your shotgun pick. My sh- my shotgun pick again draws back on my uh, my military and specifically my Marine Corps time. I'm going to pick a 590A1. Those are great guns. That Mossberg is the- 590A1, stupid simple, really easy to maintain. A billion freaking parts for it, and you can you can throw a barrel on it to do everything. That's the 1988 F-150 of shotguns. It is. It is. And so it would be, without a doubt, it'd be a Mossberg 590A1. There, there you go. Um, Travis, who, who, uh, is, who may join us someday on this, but he writes for us. Um, he is, he's a shotgun fanatic. So like I give him any time that I get offered a shotgun to do stuff with, I'm like, hey, Travis, do you want to do shotgun stuff? And he gets super excited. And like, goes yeah. and does shotgun things. And so, but it's just, I, I like the idea of pumps more than semi-autos still in shotgun. Maybe that makes, maybe that's my fun hat moment for, for them for uh, right now, but I still like pumps when it comes to, to shotguns and the 590 a one, a good 590 one with a dot and a light on it would just be like, boom, there you go. There's your shotgun that does all the shotgun things. So my choice is uh, probably going to be obvious to anybody who's ever paid attention to any content I've ever created ever. Uh, and is also, interestingly, it is the least utilitarian of all of these choices. It is not modular like the 590A1 where you can just blurp a barrel off and put a new barrel on for turkeys or, you know, whatever it is you want to do with it. Oh, no, mine. And it's the only gun I'm not going to be able to show you guys is the Beretta 1301 reason I'm not going to be able to show you is because it's in my bedroom and it's loaded loaded like not all guns are always loaded loaded like it's loaded 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 that is my it is my home defense gun uh and the one that I have is my favorite 1301 model it's their it's the last of their uh it has all of the product improvements that went into the gen twos but it still has a barrel that's threaded for chokes and I love chokes i I love b that is the only modularity conceit that i have to it is that because it's got a barrel that's threaded for chokes if i wanted to take it out of its home defense role and press it unwillingly into a role as a hunting shotgun or a sporting shotgun there are enough chokes that i can bring it into those conversations without having to go buy another fifteen hundred dollar shotgun but for home defense, which is what it's set up for right now, it has an RMR on it and it's got a uh, modified choke. And at 15 yards, it will keep all eight pellets of federal critical, not federal, of federal flight control double op buck in a pattern that is about the size of my fist. And that is just, oh, it's so good for, 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 for so nice. Like, I'm not saying that I've paced off the exact distance from my back bedroom and my front door and patterned my shotgun at that distance, which of course I have. If you have a defensive shotgun, that's what you should be doing. You need to pattern your shotgun at the likely shooting distances. I don't know how many conversations I've had with people who are like, I'll just use the shotgun for home defense. And you go down that checklist of, all right, well, what loader are you using? What barrel length do you have in it? Is it set up to run double out or slugs? And have you patterned it? Do you know what your gun's going to do at the at the distances that you're using? Because I know what my X95 is going to do. Mm-hmm. I, I used it at that distance a lot yeah. for that reason. This is actually an important side conversation to have on this issue is if you have a gun... 
any gun for home defense, you need to figure out, this is something I talked about in a different video about self, about home defense problems and home defense and essentially strategizing for home defense. So the genesis of this conversation to back it up a little bit was some dumb idiot said to me on the internet, oh, you don't get stage walkthroughs in real life. And I said, bullshit, you don't. If you are preparing for a home invasion, you get a stage walkthrough. You can walk your stage every day. You don't necessarily know you'll have surprise targets for sure, but you will know you have every opportunity every day to know the angles, know the probable shot distances, know what, you know, know what lines of sight you have from what positions, what obvious points of egress, ingress, egress, the, you know, potential intruders have. You know where they can come in. You know where they're the most likely to come in. You know where you can be and where they can be. Yeah. You don't know exactly where they're going to be, but you know all the options. This is a defined space. Your home mm -hmm. is a defined space with defined obstacles inside it. Yeah. So your, your furniture isn't moving every single day. Yeah. It, and if it is, you're a weirdo. That's, um, that's really strange. And you have a lot more time than I do. So with that in mind, regardless of what your home defense gun is, whether it's an AR-15, a PCC, a handgun, a shotgun, you need to take that gun and figure out the distances in your home that are your likely engagement zones and figure out, you know, if you have an optic on your carbine, where does it hit? You know, if your carbine zero, if you've got a rifle for home defense and it's zeroed at a hundred meters, but the most likely shot in your house is 12 and a half yards, where's your gun going to hit in relation to that red dot? That's why with shotguns, you know, if the most likely shot in my house is 15 yards from the back bedroom to the front door, what's that pattern look like? With my gun, it's a fist right behind where the red dot is, which is what you exactly want. Exactly what you want. But yeah. with other guns, especially the people who haven't put the, the uh, steps in place to check this out, you could have a wild pattern at 15 yards, depending on what your barrel is, what your choke is, and what load you're using. You could have a pattern that's larger than your door frame and be sending a lot of lead where you didn't intend to. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. So, uh, Keith, any last thoughts on the three guns forever? Nope. Three guns forever. Those those are my choices. You'd see me rolling with uh, Scar 17 with a, probably a one to six on it, a Glock 19X handgun, and then a, a 590 A1 shotgun. And you would have your Ruger, your Ruger, and your Beretta. Yep. I do think it's interesting that you picked two semi-automatic firearms and one manually operated one. And I have two manually operated guns and one, one semi-automatic. Right. And, and my semi-automatic gun is the most backwards of them all, which you know, <laughs> that's kind of what people expect. All right, guys, that is it for this episode. Thank you everyone for listening. If you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, please make sure to share this with your friends, leave us a nice review and tell other people about the podcast. Thank you everyone. And we will be back next week.